Whether you are halishing for halas or wanting to braai or fine dine, this is Essen Fressen with Adrian Bagatti. It's all about the food. Good morning and welcome to the Essen Fressen show on this warm Tuesday. I am Adrian Bagatti, your host, and we are on High FM 101.9. So today I actually thought about doing something a little different. And that is to revisit some old classic recipes and see if we can either bring them into the present or if they don't need any changing at all. So I've actually taken two recipe books that are quite old and probably found in a lot of homes. And the first book is the Arcadia recipe book. This doesn't say when it was published, but when I Googled it, it came out in January 1900, the 1st of January 1900. So if there's anyone out there who knows the correct dates, please feel free to let me know. I would love to find out. I know my book is not 100 years old or 120. It uh, was given to me as a wedding present and I've only been married 30 years. So definitely not that. And the other book is called The New International Goodwill Recipe Book. And this was first published in October 1950. I have the sixth edition, which was published 1981. I'm not sure if any new ones have been done by then. Um, And the book was published by the Johannesburg Women's Zionist League. So thankfully, what I love about these books, and these are probably amongst my most used cookery books, not always for the recipes, but for the comprehensive conversion chart, which means I refer to them all the time especially when I need to try and convert from American recipes to metric instead of using my head or my calculator, which is not always accurate. Well, my head isn't. Calculator, much better so. So we're going to start with some starters. Now, starters are not big in my home. My family are not big meal eaters. Well, when they get meals, they eat big ones, but I don't do like four courses. We get if you're lucky, soup, main course, and we're done. Very occasionally we get dessert and almost never get starters. So I thought I'd try and look at some of these that I've never made. And the first one is from the Arcadia cookbook, and it's called curried cheese roll. And these are very easy to make um, by the looks of things and could probably be a nice little project for younger cooks in the house if you want to. So the first ingredients are, it's 500 grams of cheddar cheese, grated, a cup of pecan nuts chopped, 90 grams of either smooth cream cheese, or if you want to reduce, excuse me, the fat content, you can substitute with uh, smooth cottage cheese, or if you want to add some creamy content to it, substitute with mascarpone, uh, which is uh, about 70% fat as opposed to the cottage cheese, which is about 40 to 50%. And then one clove of garlic and a dash of cane pepper. You mix all these ingredients together and you roll them into 2.5 centimeter cylinders. And then you roll that in some curry powder. Now, if you want to sort of modernize it, instead of using the curry powder, what you could do is lightly cracked black pepper and roll the cream cheese in that it would add a little nice texture to it and a bit of bite, the same as the curry powder would. The next one is one from before the sushi 
rage and sushi dish, and that was called a cornucopia. Now, what this is, is smoked salmon that's been stuffed. So it's 12 thin slices of smoked salmon, a half a cup, a cup of cream cheese or cottage cheese, a quarter teaspoon of chopped onion. I would say the updated version, I would use maybe um, an eighth to a quarter teaspoon of sriracha or a few drops of Tabasco, depending on how spicy you like it some salt, pepper, and paprika to taste. Now, if you're using sriracha or Tabasco, you can leave out the paprika altogether. So you roll the salmon into a cone shape and you pin it in that shape with your toothpicks. Then you mix all the other ingredients really well and very carefully spoon the mixture into your salmon cones and refrigerate until firm. You can remove the toothpicks and serve with lemon slices, and flat leaf parsley to garnish. Now, for those who are very sugar conscious and aware of the sugar, please note that smoked salmon does have sugar in it. It is one of the ingredients when smoking it. And so if you'd like to try to do it with sashimi tuna, that's also good. A reminder to everybody that if you have any comments or suggestions, questions or topics that you think we should cover, please let us know via Telegram on 061. 895-1019, SMS us on 34519, SMSs are charged at 150, or you can send us an email to onair at highfm.com. I'm Adrian Bugatti, and you are listening to the Essen Freshen Show. Whether you are halishing for halas or wanting to braai or fine dine, this is Essen Freshen with Adrian Bugatti. It's all about the food. Welcome back. I'm Adrian Bugatti. This is the Essen Fresen Show on High FM 101.9. Right, here's a recipe that I found that doesn't really need updating. However, if you do not use sugar, then I would suggest the sugar substitute. But please just confirm the ratios as some sugar substitutes are twice as sweet as natural sugar. And you don't want to overpower this. This is a really delicious ginger melon recipe from the International Goodwill. And it uses one and a half cups of sugar. So if you want substitute, please do, because this is quite a lot of sugar. Or you can reduce the sweetness and just use a single cup of sugar. A half a cup of water, a heaped teaspoon of ground ginger. I prefer to use actual ginger root and you use about a centimeter of the ginger root two tablespoons of lemon juice, and then two honeydew melons. Those are the green melons with the white rind, for those who aren't sure. You bring the sugar, water, ginger, and lemon juice to boil slowly over a low heat, stirring constantly, and then allow it to simmer for about 10 minutes with the lid off. So it's actually like a simple, uh, a simple sugar syrup, just with some flavoring in it. Once you've allow it to simmer for 10 minutes. You can cool it down. Um, I remove the ginger pieces and finely dice them and then put them back in the sauce. You can either use a melon ball scooper or just cut the melon into bite-sized pieces and pour the liquid over the melon and then refrigerate it for at least a few hours, if not overnight, and garnish with some delicious fresh chopped mint 
It makes a nice, light, refreshing summer starter. My family are very big soup eaters. So I thought I'd look at an old recipe that just makes a beautiful, light meal. And it's just delicious. I love it. So the first thing is the recipe in the Arcadia recipe book calls for one liter of stock, one apple, one tablespoon of chutney, one large carrot, a pinch of sugar or sugar substitute, two onions, 30 grams of sultanas, 30 grams of curry powder, 30 grams of flour, salt and pepper to taste. Now, that's all very well, but um, I'm not a fan of fruit in my soup. So their recipe is para, which I liked. Uh, I like that about the recipe. My recipe is a proper meat recipe and much more complex. So it's up to you. Very simple. You chop the apple and the vegetables into tiny pieces and toss it into the hot oil or schmaltz or whatever you're going to use to fry it with. Oh, that's the one thing I didn't tell you. They use schmaltz. They ask for schmaltz in theirs. Then you work in the flour and the curry powder. You slowly add the stock to, and bring it to boil and cook it for about 45 minutes to an hour. And then rub it all through a sieve or blitz it up if you want. Season if necessary or add a little extra sugar or lemon juice. Now, this is a pair of uh, maligatoni uh, soup if you're not using real schmaltz. If you're using the store-bought one, that makes it pair of. My one is a proper meat recipe, and it serves about six people. So it's two tablespoons of oil. You can use coconut oil. One onion finely sliced, one carrot diced, one parsnip diced. If you can't find parsnip, don't worry about it. One celery stick, uh, four cloves of garlic crushed, two tablespoons of finely grated fresh ginger, two and a half teaspoons of madras curry powder. Now, any curry powder works with this. I just like the flavor of the madras curry. Half a teaspoon of cayenne pepper, so if you like it spicy, otherwise just leave it out. One and a half liters of chicken stock. Now, I use leftover chicken for this, but you can use cook it from scratch using pieces of chicken, preferably skinless, because you've already got the coconut oil, so you don't want it too fatty. 150 grams of split orange lentils called masur dal and four tablespoons of flaked almonds, 100 mils of hot water, or you can use warmed milk substitute or coconut milk if you'd prefer. A tablespoon of lemon juice and one to two tablespoons of chutney. This is optional. I like the sweetness, but it's not always necessary. So you're gonna heat the oil in a pan over a medium heat Add the onion and cook till soft and golden. Then you're going to add your vegetables, your carrots, your parsnip, your celery, and you're going to cook those for another five minutes. Take out some. Okay, we're going to use that later. And then you can add your garlic and ginger and cook for another minute. Add your curry powder, your cane pepper, and stir, for, stir it until everything is well mixed. Pour in your stock. And then if you're using uncooked chicken, add it now with the dal with the lentils and bring to boil and then turn down the heat and cover and simmer for 40, 35 minutes. 
If you're going to use cooked chicken, add these right at the end because it's already cooked. You just want to heat it up, you know, if you want, and you've got the chicken flavor from your chicken stock already. In the meantime, you're going to soak your almonds in the water or milk, whichever you're using. You're going to blitz the soup. So you're, if you're using cooked soup, uh, cooked chicken, sorry, you're going to add it now. Um, you're going to blitz the soup with a hand blender until it's smooth. And then also puree the almonds and whisk them into the soup. Add your lemon juice and your salt and pepper to taste. You can then stir in the chutney, pull apart your chicken, stir it into the soup, add your vegetables that we took out earlier to give it a bit of a crunch. If you prefer to have a smooth soup with just the chicken pieces, you can do that. I have on occasion not done the blitzing and just served the soup as it is with the big chunks of in and I've left out the almonds and it was absolutely delicious that way too. So that's not a, not a big deal if that's what you're doing. My second soup recipe is gazpacho. And that was from the Arcadia book as well. So the first one is it wants 720 moles of tomato juice, one peeled cucumber halved, one large ripe tomato peeled. So to peel tomatoes, you plunge them into boiling water for a few seconds, take them out, and pop them into an ice, water, an ice bath and the skin splits and it's easy to peel. A half a medium onion, a half a green pepper seeded, a dash of ground black pepper, a dash of Tabasco sauce and a dash of garlic salt, two tablespoons of vinegar and a third of a cup of sunflower oil. You're going to blend together half the tomato juice, the onion, the green pepper, the peeled tomato, and the cucumber in one bowl. And in a jug, you're going to mix the other half of the tomato juice, the oil, the Tabasco, the black pepper, and the garlic. Then you combine the two together and chill for at least eight hours. So my recipe is a little different to this. I use two cans of chopped peeled tomatoes. If you want to use fresh tomatoes and peel them, use about 800 grams of fresh tomatoes. I use one medium onion, one large cucumber. I don't bother to peel it, but you can if you prefer. A half a green bell pepper and a full red bell pepper. Both of those coarsely chopped. Three to four cloves of garlic. A third of a cup of extra virgin olive oil. Three tablespoons of balsamic vinegar, or you can use sherry vinegar. Um, and then the Tabasco sauce. I use about 15 drops of Tabasco sauce or any other hot pepper sauce. You can use about two teaspoons, depending on how, how spicy you like it. A teaspoon of ground cumin and a half a cup of chilled tomatoes juice. If you would like it more uh, liquid, then use a full cup of tomato juice. Salt and fresh black pepper. And then you can serve it, if you like, with croutons, chopped fresh herbs, diced avo, or even a sliced um, spring onion. So in a large bowl, you're going to blend together the tomatoes, onions, cucumbers, bell peppers, and garlic. 
you're going to, depending on your blender, you can uh, do it in two batches so that it's finely chopped, but don't puree it. And then you return it to your bowl, stir in your vinegar, your oil, your hot sauce, and your cumin. And then you just add enough tomato juice to make it soupy, but not too thin. Season with salt and pepper and garnish as you would like. So refrigerate that soup until it's very cold. It's about two to three hours, but it can actually keep for two days in your fridge. Then you ladle it into your bowls, or you can actually just pour it out of a jug and then um, season it with your croutons. And there you have it, a cold, quick soup that I absolutely, my family and I love in summer. And what's nice about it is it is actually quite um, diet friendly. So low calories and quite filling. So delicious to eat. Now, before we move on to desserts, just a reminder that you're listening to the Essen Fresen show. And I'm Adrian Bugatti, your host. This is Chai FM 101.9. The next thing we're moving on to is desserts. The first one is an old one called Granadilla Whirl. Very heavy on the sugar. So it's two cups of sugar. Oh, it says, okay, so the recipe says two to one cup of sugar, but it's 250 moles of sugar, depending on how sweet your granadillas are. One cup of fresh orange juice, two cups of fresh granadilla pulp, two large egg whites beaten into stiff peaks. You heat the orange juice and add the sugar, stirring until the sugar is all dissolved. Then you add your granadilla pulp and chill in the refrigerator. Now, to do this by hand, you can freeze the mixture for an hour and then fold in the beaten egg whites and then freeze it again. And you have to beat it every hour or so until the mixture has been has formed like ice crystals. And then you leave it ready to serve. So it is a little time consuming. If you have a machine, you pour the fruit mixture into your ice cream maker and churn it until it is the right consistency. Then you're going to add your beaten egg whites and churn for about 20 seconds, scraping down the sides to ensure that the, all the egg white is incorporated and then you freeze it until you're ready to serve. So that is a really, really nice one. Um, the one I have, the granadilla sorbet, I've got a granadilla sorbet that is a lot less time consuming and time intensive. So here it goes. Apologies, I've read my recipe out instead of the granadilla will. So my recipe is the granadilla sorbet, I have made it by hand. I won't do it again. It's too much like hard work. But I've also made it in the ice cream machine. And it's beautiful. The granadilla whirl, which comes from the international cookbook, uses two cups of water, one and a half cups of sugar, two, only four granadillas, or if you can find, two tins of the granadilla pulp. It's 125 grams a tin. Three tablespoons of corn flour, a packet of lemon jelly, and four egg whites. Heat the water and sugar in a saucepan, add your granadilla pulp and stir well. You leave to simmer for a few minutes. Mix the corn flour with a very little bit of extra water 
and add the contents to your pot, stirring constantly while the mixture continues to simmer. When it has thickened, strain it, add your jelly and stir until it is well dissolved. Cool, fold in stiffly beaten egg whites, chill and decorate. Now, the only biggest issue I have with that one is that sometimes the kosher jelly will not set if you haven't used water the way they, the recipe requires it. If you've tried to add it like by heating up fruit juice and stuff, it will sometimes not set properly. So just be aware of that before you try and make your pudding. The last two recipes I want to share with you are quite involved recipes. It's one my family absolutely loves. So the first one is from the uh, International and that is called is Beef Wellington. So this is built, is made kosher, but it has a lot of ingredients. So I'm going to read them out to you. And it's a lot of work as well. There's 500 grams of vegetable flat, fat or margarine, three cups of flour, one teaspoon of salt, one cup of boiling water, 250 grams of smoked beef strips, one whole scotch fillet, 250 grams of a chopped liver or liver pate, one cup of red wine, one cup of tomato puree, four tablespoons of oil, one tin of butter and mushrooms finely chopped. Not sure if you can even find those anymore, kosher. One tablespoon of brandy, salt and pepper, and one tablespoon of chicken fat. So first you've got to make your pastry, which is combine your flour, your salt in a bowl, shred your vegetable fat finely. So that would be something like wholesome and add that. Pour over the boiling water and stir with a knife. Place the dough in the freezer for half an hour or in the fridge for two hours. Then knead it into a dough and place on a floured, I said a floured serviette. So I'm assuming they mean paper towel. I mean, not paper towel, fabric cloth. I must admit, I would do it on uh, straight onto a counter. Roll into a large rectangle about six millimeters thick and reserve a little of the dough for decoration. Rub your fillet with salt and pepper. Heat the oil in a heavy casserole and brown your fillet on all sides. Reserve one tablespoon of red wine and combine the remainder of the wine with a cup of tomato puree. Add one teaspoon of salt and a dash of pepper. Pour this marinade over the beef fillet and roast in your oven for 180, uh, at 180 degrees for about one and a half hours, basting frequently. Remove the fillet from the stove and allow to cool. I think it's a printing error because you've had it in the oven, so I would remove the fillet from the oven. Combine your liver pate or your liver uh, with the tablespoon of red wine and a tablespoon of brandy. Finally, chop your mushrooms and chicken fat and then stir until smooth. Now, here comes the hard work, is to assemble the beef wellington, you lay the fillet in the center of the flaky pastry rectangle. You spread the pate mixture thickly all over the fillet and lay the smoked beef strips over the liver pate. Wrap the dough over to form a nice parcel, decorate with the bits of dough that you kept, and then brush the whole thing with beaten egg yolk, place it in an oiled baking sheet, and bake until the pastry is golden brown. So you bake it at 200 degrees for 30 minutes. Now we're going to do 
the Gordon Ramsay Beef Wellington, which is a lot less ingredients and slightly less time consuming. This serves four. So he's got two by 400 gram beef fillets, olive oil for frying, a mixture of five, a 500 gram mixture of wild mushrooms uh, nicely cleaned, a sprig of thyme, the leaves only, so you can use uh, dried thyme, 500 grams of puff pastry. It is up to you if you want to make it or buy it. I buy it. Now he's asked for eight slices of Parma ham. I use pastrami, eight slices of pastrami because I like the flavoring on the pastrami, but you can also use the smoked beef that the international uses. Two egg yolks beaten with a tablespoon of water and a pinch of salt, some sea salt and some freshly ground black pepper. For the wine sauce, it's two tablespoons of olive oil, 200 grams of beef trimmings. So what you can do is some of the butchers will sell it to you. You just ask them for it. Four large um, shallots, which you can sometimes get at Woolworths. Otherwise, just use um, two red onions. 12 black peppercorns, whole, a bay leaf, some thyme, a splash of red wine vinegar, and one bottle of red wine. So a 750 ml bottle and 750 ml of beef stock. You're going to wrap each piece of beef fillet tightly in a triple layer of cling wrap so that it'll hold its set, uh, shape. Now this one you have to do overnight. Um, I must admit, I haven't done it overnight. I've done it in the morning and then cooked late in the afternoon. Once it's cold and chilled properly and held its shape, remove the cling film and quickly sear the beef in a hot pan with a little bit of olive oil just to brown it on all sides. Leave it to cool. Then you're going to finely chop your mushrooms and fry them in a little hot oil with the thyme leaves and some seasoning. So as soon as the uh, mushrooms begin to release their juices so it gets a lot of water, you're going to turn it up to high heat for 10 minutes until all the liquid has evaporated and you're left with a mushroom paste. Now the mushroom paste is called a Ducel, D-U-X-E-L-L-E. -E. So you remove your Ducel from the pan and you allow that to cool. <clears throat> so cut your pastry in half, place on a lightly floured surface and roll each piece into a rectangle large enough to envelope one of the beef fillets then you're going to put it back in the fridge. Lay a large sheet of cling film on a work surface and place four slices of your um, beef, uh, whether you're using beef or pastrami strips in the middle, overlapping them slightly to create a nice square. So that's four slices. Spread half the mushroom mixture evenly over the meat. Season your beef fillet and place it on top of the mushroom-covered meat. Using the cling film, roll the meat over the beef, roll and then tie it into a nice little, tie the um, cling film into a nice log. And you're going to do that with both fillets. You're going to put it in the fridge for half an hour. Then you are going to brush your pastry with an egg wash. Remove the cling film from your beef and wrap the pastry around the fillet, the, your, your nicely rolled meat. Trim your pastry all over 
brush it with egg white and cover in cling film again for 30 minutes in the fridge. So while that is in chilling in the fridge, you're going to make your wine sauce. You're going to heat oil in a pad. In a pan, you're going to fry the beef trimmings for a few minutes until they browned. You're going to stir in your onions with the peppercorns, the bay leaf, and the thyme. And you're going to cook that for five minutes, stirring regularly until your onions are golden brown. Pour in the vinegar and let it bubble for a few minutes until it's almost dry. So your liquid's now going to be sticky. Add the wine and then boil until it's almost completely reduced. So that can take quite a while. So I do the wine sauce already at the first time when I put the meat in the fridge for the first 30 minutes. Um, just that's for me so that it's nice and cool by the time we're ready. Add your stock and bring it back to boil. Lower the heat and simmer gently for an hour. And just every now and again, you need to come remove any scum that comes to the surface of the sauce because you want a nice clean sauce. And you can cook it for as long as you need the sauce. So if you like a thin gravy, don't cook it as long. If you like a more sticky gravy, cook it slightly longer. And then you strain the liquid through a fine sieve with muslin. Now, I must admit, I just use a dishcloth instead of muslin. And I have a nicely red stained dishcloth specifically for that. Taste your seasoning and set it aside. Now you're ready to cook your beef wellingtons. You're going to score the pastry lightly and brush it again with the egg white, your egg wash. You're going to bake 200 degrees for 15 to 20 minutes until the pastry is golden brown and cooked. Rest for 10 minutes before carving. And then you can heat your sauce, serve your beef wellington sliced and with the sauce. So it's very important that you have a look at this. You'll see that in this recipe, we don't cook the beef wellington, the beef, before we roll it in the pastry. So you get a beautiful ro roast beef. If you want it slightly more cooked, then I would suggest, you know, cooking your beef a little bit beforehand. It's not a recipe I do often, firstly, because it is time consuming and takes up to three hours. But it is quicker than the one in the International, which took nearly a full day until I found this one. I have made this recipe more than once. I make it every year um, as a group birthday meal because of the time consuming thing. I have made it with the chopped liver instead of the mushrooms. It's delicious. I have even made it with the wrong beef and it came out fine. And I doubled mine because it says serves four, but it actually can serve a few more than four. So when I doubled the recipe, I think I got 10 individual beef wellingtons out of it instead of the eight. Um, and each beef wellington could have served two people. So it was, we ate it for a while, but it is delicious and almost foolproof. You've been listening to the Essen Fressen Show. I'm Adrian Bugatti, and this is High FM 101.9. Whether you are halishing for halas or wanting to braai or fine dine. This is Essen Fressen with Adrian Bagatti. It's all about the food. Welcome back to the Essen Fressen show on High FM 101.9. I'm Adrian Bagatti, your host. And to finish off, I'm just going to do some kashrut updates. 
But a reminder, if you have any comments or suggestions, questions or topics you think we should cover, let us know via Telegram on 061-895-1019 or SMS us on 34519. SMSs are charged at 1 Rand 50. Or you can send us an email to onair at highfm.com. So Kashrut updates from around the world. Please remember to check the Hersha with your local rabbi to make sure it is an acceptable Hersha for you. The current year, once again, is still 5782 and it is a Shemitah year. So restrictions currently apply to vegetables and herbs from Israel. Please check that. Also, please check the UOS website for the Yoshin updates as they currently stand. Otherwise, from us, there are no new updates. From the London Beth Din, there are quite a few. Beach and powder sachets were listed, approved as parav. They are still approved, but are now dairy. Then greens sweet caramel mix is, was parav. It is now dairy. And it is caramel, not caramel. So I haven't made a, a, an error. Then the Wrecking Coast gins and rums are no longer under the uh, London Beth Den, so they are not approved. Two messages on the Heinz sauce. There's a Heinz barbecue sauce, sweet and sticky uh, and smooth, which was uh, which is now approved parav in the 500 gram plastic bottles only. And then Heinz barbecue sauce classic was previously parav when made in the Netherlands. The country of origin is no longer on the bottles and only the 480 gram and the 665 gram plastic bottles are listed, are approved. Uh, the Royal Ice Cream Company of Manchester is expanding its recall. We did talk about this last time to include products manufactured at the at facility um, because they have the potential to be contaminated with listeria monocytes. So please just check that list. Um, there was a long list, far too long for me to, um, you know, call it out. Then Snyder's of Hanover products are labeled OUD, but the true status is actually dairy equipment. So there is no dairy product in it. It was just made in um, the dairy factory. So the gluten-free pretzels, the mini pretzels that are fat-free, unflavored pretzels, braided twists, pumpernickel and onion, broken old thyme pretzels, cinnamon sugar pretzels, corn tortilla chips, firecracker barbecue pretzel pieces, ouch, gluten-free mini pizzas, pretzels, sorry, gluten-free pretzel sticks, honey mustard and onion, honey mustard and onion nibblers, gluten-free, honey wheat braided twists, honey wheat sticks, jalapeno flavored sourdough hard pretzel pieces, corn crunch barbecue, corn crunch hot chili lime, mini pretzels and mini pretzels fat-free unsalted. Okay, and the list goes on. So I'm not reading any more of those. Then the Atlanta Kashrut Commission um, have now certified Krispy Kreme Donuts store. Uh, the following stores are dairy. Evans Street in Atlanta, and Alfaretis Highway in Roswell. Those are dairy restaurants. 
Prepackaged Krispy Kreme donuts sold at Kroger's and Publix are certified dairy when bearing the number 210 and or the letters AKC on the label. AKC certified Dunwoody establishments, Buster's Ice Cream in Dunwoody, uh, Cineholic in also uh, in Chambly Dunwoody Road, Ali's Cookies in Old Perimeter Way in Atlanta, a Healthy Touch Cafe, which has in Tilly Mill Road, and then Tip Top Kosher Market and Restaurant in Savoy Drive in Atlanta. There have been no other updates for the last 30 days. If you know of any new ones, please let us know. And once again, if you have any comments or suggestions, questions or topics that you think we should cover, let us know via Telegram on 61 895 1019, SMS us on 34519, SMSs are charged at 1.50, or you can send us an email to onair at highfm.com. Thank you once again for joining me on the SM Freson Show. Remember to wear your masks, sanitize regularly, and keep your distance. Stay safe. <music>